Okay, the parishes keep eight say. I guess uh people were Ma? I feel like I'm imposing myself on people. The neighbor the parish's key they'd say. Maybe the parish's key they'd say and what we'd like to do is um, the Kitese has uh, many mitzvot in it, over 70 mitzvot of the Torah are in the parish of Kitese. It's the most packed parasha of mitzvot. Uh, we're just going to look at one of those mitzvot, uh, one mitzvah that seems to be very um, pleasant and uh, in uh, offensive in any way and that's the mitzvah of Hashavat Aveda that the Torah wants us to return lost objects that's what the, the Torah says so let's look at the psukim first Lo achicha so we're talking about one of the, these mitzvot that you can't really tell. You can't really tell. It was if I see a, um, if I see uh, an animal wandering around, and there are signs that the animal belongs to somebody. So my one of the possible reactions that I have is to ignore it. I ignore the animal. Because I don't want to take responsibility for returning it to its original owner. So the Torah says, um, that that's what you think. I mean, it's a little, the structure of the Pasuk is a little uh, bothersome. But it means, it means you would like to ignore the animal that's lost. You'd like to. But the Torah says, Hashev Tishivem L'Achicha. Hashev Tishivem, right, is, uh, is, a, is sort of emphatic. That's what we usually say. When the Torah repeats a verb twice, even though I don't know what emphasis means, and I've, I've told you many times that, um, that emphasis, the word emphasis, is a synonym for I don't know. Like people don't like to say, I don't know. The question is, why does the Torah in this place use a repeated verb, Hashem Tishivay? And so in, the, in English, they used to say, give it back verily. And so I didn't know what verily meant. I didn't know what the difference between giving it back and giving it back verily was. I still don't know what the difference is. So the Torah sometimes uses this, um, it's called in fancy language, again, it's very, you know, when you don't know something, so you create fancy language about it. So the fancy language is that it's a paranomastic form. That's the fancy language. In Hebrew, they say lashon nofel alashon. But all of these, all of these words mean I don't know why the Torah says it. So if you're satisfied with emphasis, you've got it. I mean, take it wherever you go. But I admit that I haven't got any idea of what this means. But Hashem Tishivem La'achicha means give it back. In, in other words, take the responsibility. That's what the Torah says. Don't let the animal just wander around. But take the responsibility of giving the animal back to uh, whoever owns it. Italamta, look at Rashi. Kovesh ani ki'ilu So, like this is one of those mitzvah. Like I don't know. Who knows if you ta- if you're you know? Who knows if you really don't see the animal, or you sort of are acting as though you don't see the animal. It's something that's up to me, my conscience, right? But if I insist 
on acting as though I don't know who the animal is, so that or where, or, or, who, that the animal is lost, so it won't make any difference. Rashi says, "Lo lo oto pshuto." He says, "Don't act as though you don't see the animal, but act as though you do see the animal." Zeu pshuto. This is what Rashi says. So, Rabbi, the, the, because the structure of this pasuk vitalamta behem sounds like a positive thing, ignore that. Ignore the the lost animal. So the chachamim said, sometimes you ignore, and sometimes you don't ignore. And they set down the rules. Like if the animal's far away, or it's not perfectly clear, there's a limit to what your obligation is, and that's the chachamim. That's what Rashi Rashi quotes the chachamim in order to explain why the, the, the words in the pasuk are not straightforward. But they could mean uh, yes, and it could mean, it could mean no. Is that the Shvilano? No? No, I don't know that. What? I don't know that. The Pasuk says, so let's say you find an animal, the animal has a tag on it. And the tag says, Des Moines, Iowa. Right, so what are you supposed to do? I mean, you're not going to go to Des Moines, Iowa to give back the animal. It's worse. It's worse. You can't give back the animal for technical reasons, so you have to adopt it. As sooner or later, you put up a sign in the shul, like, you know, you're in New York, and the guy who owns the, the animal is in, in Kansas. But sooner or later, he'll come to New York, because that's how the animal got there in the first place. So he'll come to New York, and then you'll have the sign in the shul. They'll go, they'll find, they'll come and they'll claim his animal. So not only do I have to give the animal back to its original owner, but if technically um, I'm for, I can't do that, I can't give the animal back, so then the Torah says, okay, so keep it, feed it, clean it, keep it healthy, make sure that, make sure that uh, the animal is, uh, is properly uh, prepared for the uh, visitation of this other guy, and then give it back to him. And then the Pasuk says, so this is what it says. You can't ignore your responsibility. Rashi says, so this is like a trick. So the Pasuk says, the Pasuk says, Pasuk bed, right? Until the original owner comes and looks for his animal. But, uh, uh, so, so Rashi says, of course, what are you going to do? You're not going to give it back if you don't know who owns it. So he says, no, even after he shows up, you have to look into the matter to make sure that he's not lying. He may have heard that you found the cow, and you have the cow in your house, and cows are worth a lot of money. So a guy comes and he shows up and he says, my cow. What does it look like? Well, it looks like a cow. So he says, that's not such a good thing. You have to actually look into the matter. You have to make sure that, uh, that the person who came is truly the owner of the cow. So he has to give simanim, he has to explain his, his uh, confidence that he owns, he owns the cow. Rashi, Rashi wrote a Shetei bo hashava, Shelo yochal beveitcha kidei davav, Vetit baem mimenu. Mikan amru, Kol davash osev ochel, Yasev yochal, Vesheino osev ochel, so, so here there's a problem. There's a problem of, of expenses. Now here I have this cow in my house. The cows, you know, if you've ever noticed, they're very big. And so they probably eat accordingly. 
So here I am doing Hashemat Avedah, waiting for the mystical owner to show up. And meanwhile, the cow is eating me out of my, all of my income. So I have to make it, so I have to make it, when I give it back, when I give back the cow, I have to negotiate, uh, uh, like, who pays? Whose obligation was it to pay? So certainly the person who lost the cow has to take responsibility. The last Rashi, Lo Again, the Pasuk says, you can't ignore your responsibility. Okay, that's what the, that's what the Pasuk, that's what the, what the Psukim, that's what the Psukim say. The Psukim say, a lost object, you see it, you suddenly become responsible. Now what is it that people want to do? They see a cow wandering around, and I don't, it's not my business, I don't deal with cows, so I ignore it. I don't want to, I don't want to have the responsibility. I don't want to take the responsibility. And so, I, I, I look away, I look away, I don't, I don't involve myself. Now, by the time the Svat Emet came along, by the time the Svat Emet came along, and this is the end of the 19th century, right? There was a certain amount of distrust. Like, why should the Torah tell us simple things? You know that the Mishnah already points out, the Mishnah already points out, that sometimes the Torah talks at length about things. And sometimes the Torah just mentions something, and, and we look at the Torah Shabal Peh, and it seems to be endless. We all know that the Torah talks a lot about Tumah Tahara about clean things, unclean things, but the Torah doesn't talk very much about Shabbat. Nevertheless, the Masechet that we call Shabbat has 150 daf in it. 150 daf that are not simple, not simple material. So one wonders how the Torah kind of organized this. Like what's in the Torah and what's not in the Torah. This is a question that's already mentioned or referred to in a Mishnah in Chagiga, that some things are hanging by a thread. You know, they're just like uh, a mention of them in the Torah. It's true that Shabbat is mentioned many times in the Torah, but it's also true that the halachot of Shabbat are not mentioned in the Torah. In other words, it's not, not quite the same. The Torah says many times that there is Shabbat. But the Torah doesn't say anything about the various malachot, they're kind of a mystery. They're connected to the Mishkan, the 39 Lachot in the Mishkan. What are they? You have to look in the Gemara. You don't have to look in the Chumash. The Chumash won't tell you what they are. So by the time the Svat Emet came along, I think, there was this question. I mean, what is, why did the Torah think that it was so important to organize HaShavat Aveda? Of course, it's important not to steal. And it's important not to ignore your own responsibilities. But what was it really that bothered the Torah? So the Sfatimet thought that there was a symbolic reading of this parasha that had to be included in what we call pshat. I mean, pshat means, what is the Torah telling us? What is, that's pshat. Now pshat can sometimes be fantastic or seem at first to be fantastic because that's what we think. We think that that's the pshat. So look at the Svatemet. Before we look at the Svatemet, I just want you to know that there's a pasuk in Mishpatim. Like you see the second thing on the, on the sheet, Kitivka Sho Oyivcha Ochamaroto Eh Hashev Tishivenu Lo. Rashi doesn't comment on the pasuk, but the pasuk says, that, that this is like the solution of a moral dilemma. What if you see uh, uh, an animal that is lost but it belongs to your enemy and you would not want to do him a favor? The Torah says, Hashev Tishivenu Lo. And that, again, like it is, is, a, is a question like, my enemy, maybe I'm, I'm right in trying to stay away from him. Maybe it's not good for me to have anything to do with my enemy. I mean, there are enemies in the world. And so, he, the enemy, 
loses his cow. So why would I want to interface with him? But the Torah says, Hashev Tishivenu Lo. That in the case of an enemy, it's important to know that the same uh, obligation exists. So there, there's no doubt that the Torah sees this as being something very important and significant. Now let's look at the Svatamet, the next, next thing on the list here. Lotir Eh Hashev Tishivenu that's our pasuk. Tavad bimenu mitzata. This is about our psukim, right? Hinei chazal katvu ki zacha hatzadik notel chelko vechelik chavero began eden. So the svata met is referring to is referring to a gemara in Chagiga. And the Gemara in Chagiga, which is the next source on the page, let's just look at that source. It says, Somebody said, went to uh, Rabbi Meir, after he became an, an Apikorus, right? Acher. Shael Acher. Who's Acher? Acher is Elisha Ben Avuya. So, so Elisha Ben Avuya was Rabbi Meir's Rebbe. Right? So, the, you know, the stories about the interaction between Rabbi Meir and Elisha uh, ben Avuya, of course, after Elisha ben Avuya became uh, a non-believing Jewish person, uh, of course, very interesting, because Elisha ben Avuya knew the Torah. That's that Rabbi Meir was a great student. I mean, so that Rabbi Meir was not willing to give up this relationship. It's an interesting and it's the thing about which we could, you know, like talk at another time. But this is what the Gemara says. Sha'al Acher to Rabbi Meir. L'achar she'yatzal v'tarbut ra'ah. Here Acher, he's Acher. Right, that's what, you know, we don't call him Elisha ben Avuya. We call him Acher, as though to say, he's another guy. He's not who he was. No, he's somebody else. Oma lei mai dikhtiv. He says, what does this possibly mean? This facing that was made by God. The possibly can call it, right? It's there. I don't know how many of you have the pleasure of listening to all of Kohelet being read in Shul. You know, the Hasidim don't do it. The Hasidim don't do things that they don't like. Misnagdim, of course. They think it's like Kriyata Torah. It's the same thing, and you have to suffer through the 12 chapters of, of Kohelet. But this is a puzzle. It's buried in there, in Perek Zai. Tamed zelu matzeh kimamalo. Kol Everything that was created by God, there's another creation that parallels it. Well, that's opposite it, in some way. What do you mean? Bara, harim, bara, gvaot. God created mountains, big mountains, and he created little mountains. That's a gvaot, little ones. Bara yamim, bara naharot. He created uh, great seas, the Mediterranean, the Atlantic, and he also created... Rivers. Those are created rivers. Omalo. So he answered him and he said, Rabbi Akiva Rabcha Lo That Rabbi Akiva did not explain the Pasuk in Kohelet in that way. But he said, Ela Baratzadikim, Bararishayim, Baraganeden, Baragaheno. In other words, God created that this pasuk is very profound in that God created an imperfect world. So in the imperfect world, there are tzaddikim and there are rishayim. There is Gan Eden and there is Gehenom. I mean, it's all part of the world that God created. So now let's remember the pasuk again. Gam etzel umatzeh asalokim. So the pshat is this against that. Right, not the same thing, two different kinds of the same thing, but he says one thing 
against the other thing. And so now, what does it mean? So God created good people and bad people. God created Gan Eden and God created Gehenom. So, so what? So what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to take away from this? From what's the message? So the, the Gemara continues and says, Kol echad v'echad yeshlo shnei chalakim. Imagine that. You could really do something with this. Every person is kind of divisible. Echad began Eden, echad And he says, you sort of like, um, in potential, everybody can find his place in Ganeiden, and everybody can find his place in Gehenov. Right? Everybody has the potential to get to a place. And, and like you have a seat. You have a signed seat in both places. Right? You have a seat in Ganeiden, and you have a seat waiting for you in Gehenov. And it's up to you to decide which seat you are going to take. So he says, Zachat Tzadik. So if a person is a Tzadik, and he deserves a place in Gan Eden, right? Zachat Tzadik, Natan Chelko Natal, Chelko V'chelech Haviro B'Gan Eden. So in, in order to, it has to even out somehow. Like one person is righteous, so he's going to go to Gan Eden. But there's another person who's going to go to Gehenna. So, so he's saying he left an empty seat in, in Gan Eden. So the tzaddik, the tzaddik gets two seats. He's in two places in Gan Eden. And the Rasha, he, gets, he goes to Gehenna, but he also gets the seat that the tzaddik left behind in Gehenna. So he gets two portions. So, so that according to this pshat, the Rabbi Akiva's pshat, where the Pesach says, it's that, that reward is greater than you would have thought it would be. And punishment is also greater than you thought it would be. So, So he says, that's what the Gemara says. I don't know. And, and the Svat Emet, the Svat Emet sees this Gemara as crucial to understanding HaShavat Avigah. So let's go back to the Svat Emet. Hinei Chazal, the middle of the first line. Chazal Katvu, Ki Zachat Tzadik, Dotel Chalko, Bechelek Chavero, Bigan Eden. Right, we just, we just learned that. We learned that Gemara. O Mistama, means it's likely it's probably true because the only way the only way the great uh, Hasidim could think about Olam Hazeh as being Olam Hazeh this is us we're Olam Hazeh right now the only way he could think of Olam Hazeh being meaningful is that in some way it was a reflection of Olam Haba. That whatever it is, like, like how could I know anything about Olam Haba? Because it's similar to Olam Hazeh. Like if I look carefully at Olam Hazeh, I'm going to see Olam Haba. This is unlike those rational thinkers who would say, who would say, no, there's no connection. Olam Hazeh is where you do, um, where you're a Boy Scout. The Boy Scouts, you know, they have a, a manual, and they do things. According to that, if you do enough good things, you get to see, you get to be an Eagle Scout. And if you do enough good things as an Eagle Scout, you get to see the President of the United States of America. Did you know that? You know, the Eagle Scouts all have a meeting with the President of the United States of America, which, when I was a kid, was still seen as being a, like a great way to spend the day. You know, today I'm not so sure. I'm not sure if anybody thinks about it that way. So there's like the boys. But what do you do? What, what the manual tells you to do a series of things that don't necessarily relate to anything. Like they, you have to make knots, and you have to take old ladies across the street, and, and things like that. You know, they don't connect very well to an ideology. So that, that if you don't want to think about Olaf Hazard, if you don't want to think about Olam Hazeh as a place 
which is meaningless uh, in terms of my connection to God, but meaningful only as the entree to Olam Haba. So that's okay. That's, you know, a lot of people like that. But in Hasidut, in Hasidut, they, they wanted to find meaning in what they were doing in Olam Hazer, other than the fact, other than the fact that they were just waiting to get into Olam Haba. Because somehow people generally think that staying alive is a good thing, right? It's good to stay alive. Even though if, if, if Olam Hazer doesn't mean anything, and by dying you can get to Olam Haba, so everybody should be jumping off the roof or something that would be. But we don't do that. We think Olam Hazer is good for the time being. It's like a good place to, a good place to be. So Chassidut, they said, that if you look carefully, you can see that Olam Hazer is a me'ain Olam Haba. It's me'ain, it's like, you look carefully, you see Olam Haba and Olam Hazer. How does the Svat Abed make the connection? Watch this. He says, he says, Mistoma, Mistoma means probably. It was just like, I haven't got a proof. But, but, uh, but everybody, everybody uh, would agree. Everybody, 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 meaning the three people that he thought could think properly about things. That's everybody. So he says, Mistoma, Kainu Gambolama said. That, that in Olama said that this Gemara about taking two portions in Gan Eden or two portions in Gehenna is not just about Olam Haba, but it's also about Olam Hazer. How, how so? Kedib Olam Hazer, Sherashab Avonotav Ma'abed Zichuyotav. He says, what happens in Olam Hazer? It's not like the Rasha is... Uh, it's like a regular person until he dies. Even though it's true that we don't always know who the, why the tzaddik is suffering and the rasha seems to be doing so well. But, but according to the Svatimet, the rasha ma'abed zechuyotav. He says, that's what a person is. A person does things in her life. But if you are, if you are a rasha, then you lose whatever zechuyot you had in Olam HaZeh, so when you die, you, you, have, uh, you have no merit. There's no merit with which you can approach HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's what happens in Olam HaZeh, that the, that the Rasha donates his Masim Tovim to the Tzadik. I'm on the third line in the Swat HaMet. And he says, and that's why sometimes a tzaddik gets support in his good deeds, like he wants to give tzedakah, he wants to help people out, and he sees that, that he, it's going easy for him. Even beyond what he thought he would be able to get. Why? Because he's getting the merit from the Rasha. Like the Rasha keeps donating merit to the, uh, to the Tzadik. So he says, the righteous person has to take note of this. Take note of what? Take note of the fact that he seems to be getting more than he deserves to get. That he's able to do more good than he thought he would be able to do. So what does he have to do? He has to work to give that merit back to the original owner. In other words, that merit will stay with you until your fellow demands it back. So there's a dynamic. There's a dynamic going around and the person has to understand. Say, like, what did the Svatimet do? The Svatimet said, these psukim are not about the cow that's lost in the... That's everybody, that's simple. You have a cow. Take care of the cow, give it back to the original owner. I mean, it's very simple. He says, but 
the stress of the Torah on this matter is connected to what's called tshuva, not hashava, not just putting it back to where it originally was, but the word that is that is operative here is tshuva, and hashev teshivein laachicha means the word says in the pasuk hashev teshivein laachicha means when he is and becomes about tshuva, then you give it back to him. What are you going to give back to him? The merit that he that he deserves. It really is. Now that he's about now that he's about tshuva, uh, the katav, back to the svatamet, four lines from the bottom, hashev teshivein, they will show, shayadeja tzadik nagish, she'ein ze'alpi avodato, ha'yadei ze'e, chozer b'tshuva, ha'yadei ha'tshuva zo, mit orer gavarasha lavo, lehihur tshuva. So he says, he says, what happens? Suddenly I feel, I feel that I'm, I'm in a better place than I deserve to be. Everybody's looking at me. Everybody's giving me honor. So I, I, I know I've got something that I don't deserve. So, he, so the tzaddik is also chozer b'tshuva. Because, because what does chozer b'tshuva mean? That you're not where you think you could be. Well, it doesn't have only to do with transgression. That's not what tshuva is. Tshuva is like building the personality, building the person. You suddenly become aware of the fact that you could be whatever it is that makes you aware, that you could be better than you have been, that you could do more than you have done. So you do tshuva. When you do tshuva, that encourages the other guy to do tshuva. That's what tshuva is. It's contagious. Yeah. Is, is, uh, it's the, the righteous that isn't about the Vita. Because in essence, you're bringing back, you're returning to that person and heritage which they've lost. I don't know if it's a safe but it's both. But yeah, you could. Yeah. I don't know who, who you're referring to, but definitely you could say that. Let's just finish. Ayyadeh Shuvah Zomit Oregam Arashah Lavol Lehir Hur Tshuvah Kinin so when the Rasha realizes that the Tzaddik is affected by the Shuyot that he had, that he had to give the Tzaddik, so then he, uh, uh, and he says this could even happen in Olam Abba. So I'm not so interested. I, I don't know how the Svat Emet knows about the, that it could happen in Olam Abba, but you see that the Svat Emet, that the Svat is like, what is this? Is this Pshat? Is this what the Torah means to tell me? So I think that the Svat Emet thought that it was, because he couldn't understand. He couldn't understand why the Torah would place such a powerful emphasis on Hashavat Aveda. That Hashavat Aveda was, was tremendously meaningful. Before we go on to, to the next stage, or what I think is the next stage, I want you to look at the Rambam. If you look at the second page, the second page, in the, this is a quote from the Shmona Prakim, uh, the Rambam, the Pshoda Prakim is an introduction that the Rambam wrote to Pirkei Avot, which of course he wrote in uh, what's called today Judeo-Arabic. Right? And this translation is the regular translation that most people use. It's Mosad Arakuk, Mosad Arakuk translation, which is the translation of Ibn Tibbin, modernized. Right? Ibn Tibbin was the great translator of his age. He translated you know, all the things that the Rambam, sh- I think his name is Shmuel Ibn Tibbin? Shmuel? Uh, so, so, what? Yeah, there's family. They were all translators. They were all translators. But they weren't more than translators. They had to create the language because uh, uh, the reason, one of the reasons that the Rambam wrote in Arabic you know, these philosophical uh, works was because Arabic was more easily used because it had a lot of words that Hebrew didn't have. 
because the Jews never dealt with uh, philosophy, say, you know, whatever. Philosophy is a term that has to also be defined. So the Rambam wrote an introduction, introduction to Pirkei Avot, called the Shmonet Prakim. And there, in the end of the fourth parak, this is what the Rambam says. The Rambam says, V'chein kol the Rambam is going to list mitzvot that have to do with improving the social realities. Rich people, poor people. So one thing is maaser, like you tithe everything that you grow and give it to poor people. Lechet shikro peyot, vaperet vaolamot, v'din shmitav yovel, vatstakadei machsorot. So these are all a list of mitzvot that could come under the rubric of staka. Zekulo karov bitron tov levav. This is all connected to having a good heart or being good heart because because you can give more, you can give less. Achinitrachek mitzay anivela rachok gadol mitkarev mitzay yitron tov levav. So he says that that all of this is in order. Why did the Torah have to tell us all these things? You know, that the Trumot and Masrot and Shemitah and Yovet. Why did the Torah tell us all of this? Because we have to be directed to have a good heart. You can't just tell everybody. Be good-hearted about things. Be kind to the, to the poor. That you have to train yourself. You have to train yourself. It's interesting, you know, that uh, there's a minhag. There's a minhag. It's in the Shulchan but there's a minhag in shul. Like you give tzedakah in shul. That, that somehow giving tzedakah is good for davening. And what's the connection? So the Rambam would say, uh, it's a kind of, uh, like, when you have a, per- a personality, that is tuvlevav, that is good-hearted, he's a kind of person who can daven. He's a kind of person who stands um, proudly before HaKadosh Baruch that's what, that's what the Rambam, that's what the Rambam is talking about. So here we say, uh, the third line, Ubizot ha-bechina, v'chun rov ha-mitzvot, And he says, this is, most of the mitzvot. Most of the mitzvot are in order to develop us, to give us good kind of traits, to develop good personality traits in us. It's like, you know, is positive, other things are negative, and therefore they are uh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't uh, uh, try to, uh, you shouldn't kill somebody who killed somebody else. You shouldn't take the law into your own hands. All these are, are bad uh, traits. Right? You see that line? I'm not, there's like the sixth line in the paragraph. V'chein Hashem t'shivein ad shetasu t'chunat ha-kilut. Kilut, you know what kilut? The Rambam loves that word. Kilut, stinginess. Stinginess. The Rambam sees stinginess as being a personality fault. And so the Torah forces you the Torah forces you to give it back. You know, you found this cow, and the cow doesn't have like a thing around its neck that says, you know, take me back to so and such and such. The cow's worth a lot of money. So people, people would say, if somebody shows up, I'll give him back his cow. So if nobody shows up, I'll keep the cow. Like, like it's a kind of a, so, so the Torah says, no, no. You have to be proactive. You have to give it back. You have to develop this trait, and, and, and the Rambam says, "Achetasur tchunat hakilut." What do you say? Ad. 
השם תשיבם בולבי repeatedly עד אשר That, it's definitely true what you say, but maybe, and that's the, uh, that could be the pshat in the pasuk. What I wanted to show you was that the Rambam, see the Rambam had a very practical vision of mitzvot. The Rambam thought that mitzvot were there in order to improve society, in order to improve the individuals in society, in order to make sure that we develop positive traits and rejected negative traits. And he includes Hashem Teshivim in this process. And he says that people, people when they like find something in the street, you know, they say, you know, they look here, they look there, maybe nobody saw me, maybe nobody saw me pick it up. And therefore, I'm, I, I, I have profit. Like I've profited. Sometimes it's very hard to give things back, right? Sometimes you find out. If you find money in the street that's not in a, wrapped in a bag or in a wallet, so it's very hard, it's very difficult to give it back because it's very difficult to ascertain who the true owner is unless it's in a wallet or a bag or a satchel or something. Then you could, then you could do that. Otherwise, otherwise it's difficult. So the Raman says, Hashem Teshivim comes to overcome stinginess. Stinginess is something that we, we have within ourselves that the Torah wants us uh, to overcome. So you see that there's the Rambam and there's the Svatamet. Now the Svatamet knew about the Rambam. And the Svatamet felt, the Svatamet felt I would say that this idea of uh, fixing myself or making myself a better person, that can't be the ultimate concern of, uh, of the Torah because, because uh, somehow you have to explain uh, what difference it makes. And so there's a, so there, there's a shyness. It's not like, like, you know, well, let's, let's look at the Gemara. Let's look at the Gemara. What? Yes. No, it's like, like if you're doing something you don't want to do. I think nobody knows. You found something very valuable. You found a piece of jewelry which could be easily identified, but you have it. That's stinginess. You know, they have all these stories about people who steal paintings. You know, they hire, you know, you hire people to steal a painting for you. But I hire people to steal a painting for me. And then, of course, I can't show it to anybody. Right? Because everybody, when I show it to somebody, they all know that, that I have the stolen painting. So I can't show it to anybody. So in the movie, the guy builds a special room, and it has like an electronic uh, wall, and you go down to the room, and you sit there, and, and you can look at the picture. And of course, the, in the movie, there's always somebody he wants to show it to, which they the cause it. But that's, that's real stinginess. Like, I have it. I don't want the other person to have it. But I don't get much out of it. Like, I don't, you know, I just, I just feel having it is like a wonderful thing. And I, I'm, I'm happy to be part of this stolen, stolen material. <laughs> what? I You could say that, or you could say that having been aware, having been made aware of what he could really get, or how good he could really be, that he strives for that as well. Because giving it back doesn't mean that he can't get there on his own. So maybe he can get there on his own. Look and look at this Gemara in Makot. The Gemara says this. Abba Abba Yossi Bachadina, Abba Gzerot Gazar Moshe Rabbeinu al Yisrael, Bao Abba Nevi'inu Biklun. How does that sound? This is a Gemara in Makot. Moshe Rabbeinu, he said certain things, and then Nevi'in came along and X'd them out. Just got rid of them. 
So he says, Moshe Amar, Vishkon Yisrael Betach Badad Ein Yaakov. Vishkon Yisrael, right, they will dwell, Betach, Badad, Ein Yaakov. Ba Amos Ubiklash Amar, Amos said, Chadalna Mi Yakum Yaakov, Uchtiv, Nicham Hashem Alzot, that God has uh, rejected that, or changed uh, changed the p- position. Moshe Amar, Uvagoyim Ahem Lotargia, Ba Yom Yahuv Amar, Haloch Largio Yisrael, Lo Yagia, Ken Yagia. Right? That's what the that's what the uh, the pasuk says. Moshe Amar, Poked Avod Avot Al Panim, By Yecheskel Bitla, Hadnefesh Achotei Tehitamut. So we have this kind of conflict sometimes between what Moshe Rabbeinu said and what the Nevi'im said, and so we assume that if the Nevi'im said it, and if it's published in the, the book of the Nevi'im, that it supersedes the statement of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Amar, va'avadetem ba'goyim, va'avadetem. You look at the second page at the top. You have the pasuk at the end of Ayikra. Vavadetem ba'goyim that's Moshe Rabbeinu talking which means things that don't look good you will be lost amongst the Goyim and then where you are lost you go to the land of your enemy you'll be eaten up there it sounds bad Right, if you look at the second page again, there's the person from Yeshayahu. Everybody knows, Kalbach taught us this Pasuk, right? Which goes against the Pasuk in Vayikra. The Pasuk in Vayikra says, we are going to be lost. And the Pasuket Shayao comes and says, no, we're going to be found. We're going to be all going back to Yerushalayim. So back to the Gemara, and the thread, the bottom of the first page. Mr. Fina means, I'm like angry. Angry. He says, you're going to hear. I mean, how did say that? That we're going to be lost. Amongst the Goyim. Matkiv lara papa dilmok abeda hamitva keshet. So Rabbi, Rabbi, uh, uh, <coughs> Papa said, maybe when Moshe Rabbeinu said those words, remember those words, vafadetem bagoyim, you could be lost? He says, oh, there are two kinds of loss. There's Aveda Shemit Bakeshet Aveda Sheena Mit Bakeshet You know, there are things, you lose them and you say, you know, Fafal So, you know, they're lost But the things that you lose that you don't stop looking for for the rest of your life So he says, maybe what Moshe Rabbeinu meant was Dilma Aveda Hamit Bakeshet Dichtiv that it would sound like uh, Moshe Rabbeinu really meant that there's no hope. So let's see again. Moshe Rabbeinu said, Right? And then Yeshayahu said, No, you're going to come all together. You're not going to be lost. You're going to be found. So that Papa said, that Papa said, maybe that's what Moshe Rabbeinu meant. That you're going to be like an Aveda. You're going to be a lost object. You, Am Yisrael, is going to be a lost object. But a lost object, Mitvakeshet. That he's going to be looked for. Who's going to look for you? HaKadosh Baruch going to look for you in heaven. So he says, that's what it meant. So then the Gemara says, it doesn't fit in with the second name of the Pasuk. But even though it doesn't fit in with the second name of the Pasuk, we have another pshat. That uh, Moshe Rabbeinu's statement is not contradicted by Yishayahu's statement because Moshe Rabbeinu also said which means that you will be able to you'll be found you will be found 
So you see that the Gemara has an interesting idea about Aveda. About Aveda, that there's an Aveda Hamit Bakeshet. We have one more source. Right, one more source. Now, second but let's see that Kavchet Avedek. You see on the second page? Peter Abanan. Peter Abanan is a bright Mishnah. Very Shona. Call Mishnah Aveda. Hayam Achriz Aleha Shloshari in the beginning, if you found a lost object, then you would keep announcing that you found it for Shalosh Rigali, right? Let me start from Pesach, or you'll start from Pesach, but let's say Pesach, Sukkot, and Shavuot. Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. Right? You'd have to keep... Why Shalosh Rigali? Shalosh Rigali, all the people came to Yerushalayim. All the people came to Yerushalayim. That was the optimal time to announce that you had found this cow that was wandering around and you'd like to return it. Um, what? No, no, it means Okay, so there's like, there are conditions. Now listen to what, the, what it says in the Mishnah. Mishicharam Beit HaMikdash because Hashavat Aveita according to the Gemara is connected to the Beit HaMikdash now you could say it's a technical thing why the Beit HaMikdash because that's where the most people assembled uh, during the year but nevertheless nevertheless there's a connection between Hashavat Aveita and Beit HaMikdash Mishicharam Beit HaMikdash Sheibanebim Heira this is the Gemara. It's a very strange Lashon. The Gemara never says that. Never says that. But here it says, Mishaharab Beit HaMikdash Eibaneh B'mheira B'yameinu Hitkinu Sheyu Machrizim B'vatei Knesiyot B'vatei Medrashot They made a Tafana. There's no more Beit Medrash. So wherever you are, you go to the Beit HaKneset, the Beit Medrash, and there you announce that you found this lost object. Mishirabu ha'anasim, hitkinu sheyumodi'im lishchenav ulmiyudav v'dayot. So there were other kinds of problems, so it was enough to mention it to his neighbors. Ma'ayish mishirabu ha'anasim, what does that mean? Da'amrei aviditol l'malko. It was like in modern times, the apotropos ha'klali. They said, oh, you don't know who it belongs to. Somebody died uh, without a will or didn't, has no obvious inheritors. The state will take it happily, right? The state becomes the, the owner. So he says, that's aviditu de maltor. Ami ashkach odaya de dinere chazaya uramah de kamirtat. He saw this Roman running around the Malay zil stolen of Shekhar the last Tarso Ananda Minan Avirito the Malta Terrabara Evento Eina Yabi Yushalayim Kol Misha Avdalo Aveda Nifnelusha The Kol Misha Motse Aveda Nifnelusha Ze Omeda Machriz Ze Omeda Notain Siman Benotla Finally, they had, this, they, had, they had this problem, right? This problem that the state wanted to take all the lost objects, so they had to find a place to announce this lost object. So it turns out, it turns out that the Churban Beit HaMikdash the Chorban Beit HaMikdash, all the things in the world that you could mention, that you could imagine. What are the implications of the Chorban Beit HaMikdash? According to the Gemara, according to this Gemara that we just learned in Bab Metzir, according to that Gemara, the Chorban Beit HaMikdash created a difficulty of Hashavat Aveda. And you could say, that the Gemara I mean, is just relating a fact. I mean, that's how it was. It was a difficulty of Hashavat Avidah. But you could also say, you could also say that Hashavat Avidah, that the ability to fulfill the Torah demand of Hashavat Avidah, is 
uh, is the way we estimate the correctness of things, the way things should be. And so you know that the Gemara says, that there's a Gemara in Brachot, I'm going to try to finish it, there's a Gemara in Brachot that says that if you eat something without making the proper bracha, then what does the Gemara call that? One? Me'ila. You know what Me'ila is? Me'ila is stealing something from the Beit HaMikdash. It's the word that's used for stealing something from the Beit HaMikdash. Now, why do you need a special word for stealing from the Beit HaMikdash? Why couldn't the Gemara just say, stealing? Like he's a Gazlan? What did he say? It's Gilu Mo'el? Because to steal something from the Beit HaMikdash, you don't have to do anything to it. You could just use it and then put it back. And you've done it. You've stolen it. You can't do Hashabat Avedah on something that comes from the Beit HaMikdash. So the Gemara says, if you eat food and you don't make a brocha, says you're stealing. You're stealing from God because it's God's apple, it's God's salad. I mean, it overwhelms to God. How do you take it and, and, not, and not give it to God? Or not own up to the fact that it belongs to God? So what is Hashabat Avedah? What is Hashabat Avedah? It's a recognition of the fact that property, property is a divine. It's something to do with God. And that my, my, uh, 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 my getting property or my having property is something that is approved of in heaven or it never happened. You can't get property without divine approval. So the Torah says, the Torah says, listen, listen, if you find the lost object, you have to understand it's not yours. And because it's not yours, you have to work hard to give it back. And because you're working hard to give it back, if you work hard to give it back, then you are fortifying the relationship, the proper relation between man, property, and God. That's what, that's what the Torah said. Along comes the Sfata Met. And the Sfata Met says, look, the issue is really, the issue is really, uh, uh, who is the person? What person are we talking about who is able to make this, who is able to discern that, that there's a distinction between property that is mine and property that is mine to watch over until I can pass it back to the original owner. The Rambam says, the Rambam says that this property, that this property is a vehicle for improving my midot, the other qualities that I have. But the Svatamet sees it in terms of, in terms of this uh, uh, greater idea that righteousness is about seeing where I have dominion and where my dominion comes to an end, where God is in charge of the world. And that's always, that's always the issue. And so, as long as the Beit HaMikdash existed, the Hachra, they were machris, they announced the lost object in the Beit HaMikdash. Because the Beit HaMikdash represents the boundary between God's place and man's place. A man, woman, right? We're outside in the Beit HaMikdash. That's God's place. Even though it's true that God is everywhere, as we know, nevertheless, there's a distinction between in the Beit HaMikdash and outside of the Beit HaMikdash. And so the announcement that the lost Adrian was made in the Beit HaMikdash because it was like saying, like saying, it belongs to God. It doesn't belong to me. There's no process that, that, that can make it belong to me as long as I think there is an original owner who is pining for it, who is looking for it, who is trying to get to it. So when the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, when the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, the world was, was in disorder. The world was in disarray. And, and the nations of the world, the people in the world, they said, 
just like we took the Beit HaMikdash, and we're going to take everything else. We'll tax everything. We'll take things that, that even if you say they don't belong to you, we'll take that as well. We'll make an apotropos klali in, uh, in, our, in our state. So that we have to, the Gemara says, we work hard in order to reestablish this opportunity to return the lost object to its original owner. Because the lost object, the lost object belongs to the original owner and that ownership is not going to be exchanged until God indicates that such an exchange can take place. So you see that, I think, you think, I think that the ideas, that these ideas that, that Hashavat Veda is a greater issue than just giving back a lost object is clear from a variety of sources. Have a good Shabbos. Marv. Thank uh-huh.